This morning we're going to continue our series, and, and we're just calling this crisis, religion, or relationship. Which do you choose? What are you living under today? Is it religion? Is it a religious system? Or is it a relationship with Jesus Christ? And this morning, I, I want to talk to you about the origin of religion, where religion came from. Because I think it's important that we understand origins. If we understand our past, then we can look forward to our future. If we don't understand our past, guess what, guess what happens? We just keep repeating it over and over and over. And the beginning of something is really a big deal. It, 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 it's really important. It sets the stage for how things will proceed in the future. Origins answer the questions that we have. If we know where something started, then we, we understand sometimes the what and the when and the why and the how and the who. We, 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 it gives us an insider's look at, at why certain things are happening and, and what really happened and what's really going on. It helps us to understand why certain things are ingrained in our hearts and our minds and our culture. You know, sometimes we don't even ask those questions. We just accept them, right? Y'all, there's some things, I'm not going to give you any illustrations right now because I just drew a blank, but uh, there are a lot of things in our culture we just accept instead of questioning. Why do we do that? I I remember uh, when I was in seminary and and we were in in preaching class, we were were learning what what theologians call homiletics. It's, it's, It's the... It's not the art of preaching, <laughs> okay? It's not the art of preaching. But it, we were learning uh, the disciplines of, of how to, 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 to preach and how to communicate God's Word without drawing attention to ourselves and idiosyncrasies that, that people have. And I remember uh, Dr. Robert Smith. I, I studied with him in seminary. And many of you know Dr. Smith, and he's going to be with us this year. Uh, I don't, I've got the date. We've been trying for three years, and he finally sent me a date, and we plugged it in. But Dr. Smith told us a story about an area of Texas where all the preachers preached with their hand like this. And uh, one of the young men finally got to go to seminary. And so he was preaching away in preaching class one day, and, and, and the preaching professor asked him, he says, why do, you, why do you put your hand there? He says, well, I don't know. But that's how Brother So-and-so did it. And this Brother So-and-so, I can't remember his name, was a very famous preacher in that area of Texas. And the homiletics professor, the preaching professor, knew the pastor that preached that way. And he said, do you know why he put his hand like that? He goes, uh, no, sir. He said, he couldn't hear. <laughs> There's a whole generation of, of preachers that were preaching like this because Brother So-and-so preached that way. They didn't know the origins of it. And there are a lot of things in our culture and a lot of things that we believe. There's a lot of thing, things that are connected to our faith that are really not a part of it, but we just accept it. And so when you, you study Scripture, you can find the origins of many things. We, we can see where certain things came from. For instance, we know where life came from. It didn't crawl out of a soupy pond, Okay. Well, at least two people believe that. <laughs> Nobody pinched the tail off and stopped swinging in trees to become a human being. I mean, we know where we know where human life came from. We know where sin came from. 
Okay? We, we know exactly where it came from. We know where murder came from. We understand how government came about. It was an invention of human beings. It was, a, it was a decree of God. We understand where worship came from, grace and redemption. And I could go on and on and on and on and on this morning to name a few. But if you really want to understand something, you have to study its origins. Last week, we, we danced around some definitions, I guess, of religion. But I want to give you a couple of definitions. Religion is an organized collection of beliefs or cultural systems or worldviews that relate humanity to an order of existence. Okay? That's pretty dry and boring, right? It's, it's an organized collection of beliefs or culture systems or worldviews that relate humanity to, to an order of existence. It's a system of beliefs and practices. It's a system. Don't miss that. Of, of, of how someone practices their faith or their worship. Now, they practice those things relative to what they believe is sacred. Now, we live in a, a world, if you're looking back in history, you will find people who have found rocks sacred. You'll find them today. You'll find people who, who, uh, who find a piece of metal sacred, who, who see trees as sacred, rivers and valleys and mountains and insects and animals and planets and stars. They're all sacred, and thus they're an object of worship. Relationship's different, okay? Relationship is a heart-to-heart connection with a person, okay? Religion is a system. Relationship is a heart-to-heart connection. You know what? You can't have a heart-to-heart connection with a rock. I mean, you can carry it around in your pocket till it wears smooth. You can put it right here. You can bang it on your head, but you cannot have a relationship with it. You can kneel down to it. You can offer it uh, sacrifice. You can do all these things, but you can't have a relationship. You can't have a relationship with a tree. You can't have a heart-to-heart connection. But you can neglect the longings and the desires of your heart for a system. You can give into a system. Religion is a system. It's a method or a set of procedures for achieving or organizing something. You can use religion to organize your life, to systematize your life. But folks, it'll never make a heart-to-heart connection. And religion is, old, is as old as man. Religion did not exist in eternity past. It has a starting point. And I believe that this morning we're going to see the starting point. So we're going to look at where religion came from. When we look for origins, when we look for beginnings, when we look for first times, you see, first things set precedent. That's why in our country when a, when a, 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 a case goes before court and it's a, it's a first time that it sets a precedent. By the way, we have, a, we have some things that will come before the court in our nation, the Supreme Court, possibly this year, that will set precedence one way or the other. We, it happens all the time. And so when we look for that, we look for precedences. And if you look for precedence, you look for origins, you look in the book of Genesis. Genesis means beginning. It means origin. It tells us what happened in the beginning. Religion was birthed in the heart of man. 
at a specific point in time. But listen to me. Relationship was birthed in the heart of God. It's, it's different. So this morning I want us to, to look for a few minutes. And we're just going to look at Genesis chapter 4. And I'm going to read uh, verse 1 through 5. And we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. But in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, God has created Adam and He's created Eve. He's given them everything they need. He, he meets with them each day. And they're, they're building relationship. And He gives them one prohibition. Don't eat from the tree of good knowledge and of, of, of the knowledge of good and evil, which is in the, the garden. There were, two, there were more than two trees, but there were two trees in the center. Tree of life, the tree of, of knowledge. And he gives them one prohibition. And I know people say, well, why did God do that? Why didn't he just uproot that tree and put it somewhere else? Here's the reason. Because you cannot love someone unless you make a choice. Love is not just something that happens. Relationship is a choice. And so God puts the choice there. He's already met every need they have. Scripture says they're already like God because they're made in His image and in His likeness. And so, you know the story. They taste the fruit. Sin enters into the world. And God pronounces judgment on the man and the woman and He curses the planet And he curses the serpent. And life goes on. He he drives them out of the garden. And basically they've got to, by the toil of of their bodies and the sweat of their brow, they've got to find something to eat. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't going to work. They were. They were going to be the caretakers of the garden. But now they have to struggle. And so... In time, Scripture says this in, in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now Adam knew, or, or the translations that I, I had sexual relations with, his, with Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And Eve said, I've gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. And, and that's literally what Cain means. I've gotten a man-child with the, by the help of the Lord, by the help of the Lord. And she gave birth to his brother, Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, you, you have to understand that, that just in these short verses, man, we've, we've gone through childhood, teenage years, and now we're into young adulthood, okay? It's, Moses doesn't spend a lot of time belaboring details here. He just gives us the high points. In other words, they begin to, to, they begin to reproduce and to fill the earth. And they had two sons that were born to them, Cain and Abel. And in time, Cain becomes a tiller of the soil. He, he, he follows in his father's footsteps. That's what Adam was. Abel, on the other hand, was a shepherd. He was a keeper of the flock. And Scripture says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel on his part also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. There is a huge amount of information 
in this passage. It covers a long period of time. As you read this, it seems from the passage that God had implemented some protocol for worship. In other words, he had put down, he had let them know what he expected and what he wanted. Okay? Wasn't religion. It was just, okay, here's how we're going to do this. The reality about worship is, is that worship is relationship fleshed out. Okay? When we worship, when we truly worship, whether we're in this place, in a truck going to Mississippi, at home in our prayer closet, uh, wherever, we are engaging in relationship with God. Okay? We are connecting. Now, you can go through the motions. Worship is not necessarily relationship, but genuine worship is a heart-to-heart connection with God. It's a connection of spirit, and it's a connection of truth. Worship is not something we do, folks. It's everything we do. It's the how we do it, the why we do it, the what we do. It's everything. A true worshiper that has a genuine relationship with God through Jesus Christ is a true worshiper. And somebody that worships who doesn't have that relationship is going through the motions. But it's an engagement in relationship. And so it seems like God has, has put some, some protocol in place that obviously they come on a, a regular occasion to worship. Now we know from reading the past part of the, of the, of the text over in, in Genesis chapter uh, 3 that God would meet with them in the cool of the day. So there was a time, there was an appointed place. And, and, and it's obvious that... that these boys had watched their parents worship. And the time comes for them to offer their own worship. Does, does that make sense? You can't worship on your parents' worship. You have to offer, everybody has to offer their own. And so many theologians will argue over this. They'll argue over uh, it was Cain's sacrifice that wasn't as good as Abel's. Or it was, Abel's was a blood sacrifice and Cain's was vegetables, so God wouldn't accept it. And, you know, that may be true. There may be a, something there, blood sacrifice versus the grain offering or the vegetable fruit offering. But here's the deal. When you get to the Mosaic Law, both of those things are present. They offered blood sacrifices and they offered the first of their crops. They offered their crops to God. And so, it's interesting that, that, that Cain, one's a farmer, one's a shepherd. God never condemns either vocation. In fact, Cain, like I said, is following in his father's footsteps. Now, it does seem, as you read Scripture, that there is a precedence for blood sacrifice. Uh, Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. God set that precedent. If you go back a chapter in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This wasn't faux fox, okay? It was the real deal. And as far as I know, there's no animal that can shed its skin. Not, not, not the furry kind, Okay? The no-necks and the snakes can, but, but animals can't. So animals had 
to die. Something had to give its life. And so God killed those animals to get skins to cover their shame and to cover their nakedness. And innocent blood was shed to provide a covering. It's a picture, folks, of what Jesus did. It's a picture all the way back in in the very beginning of what Jesus did. Now, that covering was was given to protect them, protect their, their shame. And it was also a provision for safety outside the garden. And now we can argue from now on whether it was fruit or it was a lamb. All right? Blood or vegetables. But here's the the deal. The argument is based on religion. It's a religious thing. We don't know. God never, God doesn't differentiate. He doesn't say, I want you to bring this. That's not what God said. I, don't, I, I, I like lambs better than I like vegetables. He didn't say that. We don't find that in the text. What I think it's based on is it's not religion. It's, it's, it's their relationship. I believe the, the origin of religion is found not in the kind of sacrifice, but rather in the heart of the person making the sacrifice. There's the issue. It's an integrity issue it's not a, a, an essence. It's not, a, it's not a, 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 a tangible thing. See, God doesn't, He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't condemn one over the other. The issue seems to be one of the heart. And one that's obvious from the manner in which the gifts are offered. Sometimes we read things and we don't, we don't pick those things up. It seems pretty obvious as I, as I read this, that, that Cain and Abel had sort of grown up watching their mother and daddy worship God. And so they had learned to worship, worshiping God. Guess what? Your children and your grandchildren will learn to worship, right or wrong, from watching you. Okay? That's a good thing, but that's also a bad, bad thing. Okay? They don't only learn to worship like you do. They'll learn everything else like you do. So if we're doing things right, they learn to do it the right way. If we're doing things wrong or half-hearted, then they learn to do it wrong and half-hearted. And it seems that they had, wor- they had learned to worship like their parents. Now, when you love someone and when you have a, a genuine heart-to-heart relationship with that person... You give your very best, no matter what it costs or how inconvenient it is. All right? Genuine, real love, genuine love is extravagant. Okay? We see that in, in, in God all through the, the Scriptures. He's, he doesn't just give gifts that get by. He gives us extravagant gifts. He gives us gifts that are more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. You can, you can fill in anything you want to after that. He's more than enough for our sins. He's more than enough for our sickness. He's more than enough for the financial crisis I'm in. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. That's the kind of gifts that God gives. I love, there's a passage that's, that happens over and over and over, and we, we major on the first part of it and forget about the second part. The, the first part strikes fear in our life. The second part we, we don't really hear. It won't be on the screen, okay, unless Tom's a mind reader. Or, but 
it, 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 it says that God will visit the iniquities of the, of the fathers on the sons for two and three generations. Well, we all know that. But there's a conjunction there. But I will lavish my love on those who love me and obey me to a thousand generations. But I will pour out until it runs over my love. I will pour and pour and pour till it fills the cup up, runs out on the floor, and, and submerges the cup on those who love me. Not for two or three generations, but for a thousand generations. Every time we do something because we love God and we obey Him because we love God, it's credited for a thousand generations. Now that ought to make you jump up. And, and I mean, we've messed up two and three, but... You know, a thousand generations. Why am I telling you this? Because God is a, an extravagant God. And so when we come to worship Him, we bring the best. When I come on Sunday mornings, I don't need to be here with half my emotions here and, and half my brain here. I need to be here 100%. And hey, I'm just like you. I get here on Sunday mornings, and the last thing I want to do is preach. I'm standing right up here this morning going, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And, and I can't explain it, but we sang a song, not the second one, and all that stuff gone for a few minutes. It's just God. Folks, when we really have a relationship with God, we give Him the best. Now the text indicates, listen, listen to what the scripture says there in, in verse 2. And we won't, that she gave birth to Abel, and Abel was a tiller of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time, verse 3, that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. He brought an offering. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. There's a difference there. It's not fruit and vegetables versus meat. It's quality. If Cain had bought the first fruits, God would have said that. But he didn't. He, he didn't pick the first things that came off the, the pea vines and, and the cucumber vines and the melon vines and the corn stalks. He just brought a basket full of the leftovers, the stuff. Now, I don't know that it was the leftovers, but it wasn't the first. And all through Scripture, the first is given to God. The first fruits, the first fruits, the first fruits, the first fruits. Cain just brought an offering. He showed up with something. Didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. The difference is Abel shows up with the best of the best. He gave the firstlings. See, all through Scripture, the first belongs to God. 
That's why, that's why they gave uh, the first son to the Lord. That's why they gave the first of their crops to the Lord. That's why they gave the first of their animals. That's why, as New Testament believers, we give the first of, of what we earn to the Lord. That's what's called a tithe. And so they gave the first the best. And he didn't just do that. He brought the fat portions. Now, we think about that. We think, eee. But you know what? The fat portions were the best parts. These were the parts that they offered in sacrifice. These were the ones that were weighed before the Lord. These are the ones that went to, the, to God first. They were the best of the best. And so Cain, it seems, shows up with just, you know, he just grabbed up some vegetables, ran through the, you know, we're having worse, we're having church today, I'll get something. And he grabbed a handful of this and a handful of that, and he shows up with them. It wasn't the best, it wasn't the first. See, the difference is quality. The quality of the gift demonstrates the depth of each of their relationship with God. One was not willing to offer God less than the best. The other one was just willing to offer something. Now, how would Abel have known to bring the first and the fat portions unless he witnessed his mother and his father doing that? Abel chose to be obedient to show God how much he loved God. And that's a principle that threads its way from Genesis through Revelation. Jesus puts it this way. You've heard me say this over and over. This is a verse that echoes in my head every day, all day long. If you love me, if you have a relationship with me, you will do what I say. You will do my commandments. In other words, if you love me, see, obedience is the outworking of a lover's heart. Just doing it because you have to is the lowest, the lowest of the low positions for a believer. It's when you get to that place where you do it because you want to. See, there were certain things in in my house when I was growing up, I did because I had to. Because I knew if I didn't do them, I would endure the wrath of Olin and Wanda. I knew that. I knew that. But there were a lot of things I did and didn't do because I loved them. And see, that's the place where as believers we got to get to. We've got to get away from that place where we just do what we absolutely have to to get by. Folks, that's religion. We've got to get to that place because we do it because, man, I love God and I know this will please him, and I don't break his heart. We do that in marriage. We do that with our children. So Cain, so Abel knows that this is pleasing to God. So in a relationship, you do things to bring pleasure and satisfaction to that other person. Abel understood that God would be pleased. Cain doesn't seem to care. See, religion quacks like a duck, walks like a duck looks like a duck, but it will never be relationship. It will never bring about the same thing because it refuses to give God what He deserves, what He desires, and what He demands. Religion wants to just bring an offering. It just wants you to go through the motions, to give lip service. 
Cain didn't give his best. And his gift reveals the shallowness of his love, his, his genuine love for God. He gave what was available, not what was required. Would to God in the church would stop giving what's available and give Him what He wants. He doesn't want our money. He doesn't want you or me to be perfect. He just wants us. He wants to connect with us and us connect with Him. Most of the stuff we try to do to earn His favor... Let me back up. All of the stuff we do to try to earn His favor is worthless. Why would we try to buy what He's already given? He's given it as a gift. We have all... Let me just read this. This is not going to be on the screen either because it's just not going to be there. You've heard me use this verse over and over and over and over. I just don't really believe many people believe this. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Everything that God has, He's given to us. Why would we come with just an offering? Why would we come with religion instead of relationship? Cain kept the best for himself. He didn't obey God, and here, listen, disobedience is sin. And religion is nothing more than dressed up disobedience, masquerading as obedience. That's all it is. It's not, it's not obedience. It's an attempt to give God something other than the very thing He desires or requires. Folks, religion is a heart problem. And it soaks everything around us. It soaks the fabric of our life. It soaks the relationship that we have with Christ and that we have with, with others. Religion is, is insidious. Cain's issue was an integrity issue. He knew what to do, but he refused to do it. And that's real evident from the rest of the story. If you, if you read the story of Cain and Abel, you know what happened. It did not end good. Cain killed his brother. His brother. Cain killed his brother. Folks, religion destroys relationships. Because it creates a, an atmosphere of envy and jealousy. It takes simple worship, that heartfelt connection with God, that heartfelt adoration with God, and it transforms it from a gift into a competition. And that competition is usually between brothers and sisters for attention, for validation, for value. Who's more spiritual? Who's more holy? Who's more disciplined? Who's more godly? Who's more loved? Folks, religion creates anger and frustration. Religious people are not happy. I know. I was one. And I have been one. And if I'm not careful, I'll do something stupid in the next 15 minutes. And I'll be all meshed up in it again. But they're frustrated and angry because... Religion does not satisfy, does not, well, it does not satisfy what it promises. That's what happened to Cain. 
Cain shows up. I'm going to go through the motions. But God says, you know what? Really care for that, Cain. I don't care for your attitude. Sin is lurking at your door. It's crouched. If you don't do something, it's going to overwhelm you. Cain's got a choice to make. So instead of dealing with his stuff, you know what he does? He goes out in the field and deals with the guy who got God's grace and who obtained God's favor through his faith. It killed him. And folks, that's what religion does. You, you take any person, you take any circumstance, you take any church. When you choose religion over relationship, something dies. It may die in you, it may die in your fellowship, it may die in a denomination, but it dies. And then enough of it dies, everything dies. And it becomes religion rather than relationship. It takes simple and heartfelt adoration to transform us. And yet, most of us are just frustrated. We're angry. Religion is lazy. That may not sit well, but it is. It's a lazy practice of our faith. It, wants, it promises something, but it refuses to do what is required. It's a cheap facsimile, a fake, that seeks to earn what can only be given by God. That's the lie of religion. You can earn this. God will love you more if you do this. If, if, you'll, if you'll read this and say this and be there for this and do this and do this and do this and do this, God will love you. Folks, that's a lie. God loves you right now. The evidence hung on a cross, was buried in a tomb for three days, and is resurrected and is sitting on the throne in heaven. Jesus Christ is the proof that God loves us. Otherwise, it'd just be a smoking pile of ash here. God loves us. God responded to to Abel's gift with grace, with favor. And that's how God responds to relationship. But God doesn't respond to Cain's gift that way. He, he, he responds to the religious trappings with a gentle but appointed rebuke of his sin. Folks, religion, if left unchecked, results in the extermination of relationship. Let me just put it this way. Religion kills. It kills. In the history of the world, most of y'all are familiar with with history. If you look back, most of the genocides, most of the atrocities, most of the wars, and most of the persecutions have their origin in what? Religion. The Crusades. The Inquisition. Jihad. It's all about religion. It's not about relationships. Religion kills Cain wouldn't obey God, so his anger and his frustration, he killed his brother. Religion always persecutes relationship. You try this. You start getting rid of the religious part of your life, and there will be people that you know who will say, you're a nutcase. You're a Jesus freak. They will. 
They're the religious folks. How do I know that? Jesus said if they did it to me, they'll do it to you. I mean, this boggles my mind every time I read these passages in the Gospels. Tell us, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Think about that. Jesus never answers it. He just does it. He gives His answer in a demonstration. And I'm going to tell you, when you start to shake off religion, and you begin to get into that stream of relationship with God, the people who are, who are, who are immersed in religion, it will frighten them to death. It will scare them to death. They will back up. They will go, mm 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 mm, mm. Susie has jumped off the deep end. You know that, you know that Nelson, he's, he's a little flaky. He's crazy. Bill, you know, he's, mm, you just, he's reading his Bible every day. Folks, religion kills relationship. It persecutes relationship. Religion says, I'll do it my way. Relationship says, God, show us the way. Show me how. If you study Scripture really close, you'll see religion and relationship grow up together. Wherever there's relationship, there's religion pretty close by. And wherever you find religion, you'll find relationship. They, they just kind of walk together through human history. When you get to the story of the Tower of Babel, it's all about religion rather than relationship. What does God say? I want you all to spread out and repopulate the planet. Populate it. What do they do? They gang up and they build a city. And they don't just build a city. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with a city. But here's what they say. We're going to make a name for ourselves rather than magnify the glory and make God's name great. So they chose to build a city and they chose to build a ziggurat, a, a temple, tower. Because they're going to get as high as they can. They're going to be up in the, in the heavens with God. That city's called Babel which is short for Babylon, on the plains of Shinar. Here's what Revelation says about Babylon. It says it's the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Folks, religion is a harlot. It's a prostitute that will take everything you have and cry out for you to give it more. How many of you know what a tick is? I know this is probably not the best illustration, but listen to me, it'll, it'll hunt in Alabama, okay? How many of you know what a tick is, okay? What does a tick do? Sucks blood. You know what it does? It sucks blood till there is no more blood or it explodes. Right? Am I, am I, I mean, that's the truth. Religion is a tick. It will suck blood the life out of you and it will continue to suck and cry out for more you can never satisfy religion it refuses to obey but it convinces its participants that what they're doing will be enough folks religion never acts in love 
It always acts in lust. Lust wants something, not someone. Religion wants something. And it'll tell you that if you'll do this or you'll do that or you'll, you'll do it more or you'll do it bigger or you'll do it higher or longer or whatever, but it never proves true. Folks, relationship loves. It loves. Religion seeks power. It seeks control. It seeks position. Relationship loves. It, it, it seeks, it sees the person in light of what it can do for them. See, when I come to God in relationship, it's not what I can get for myself. It's, what I, it's, it's how I can serve God. It's, 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 it's that kind of thing. When God comes to me, He, he doesn't come because I, He can get anything from me. He comes to give. That's what relationship does. It gives. It does not take. Relationship always gives, but religion takes. And it takes. And it takes. And it takes some more. God gave the children of Israel the law. We call it Ten Commandments. But it was a, it was a, a set of admonishments and, and rules that they were to go by. The reason He gave them that set of rules, because they were slaves. It was given to them so that they would know what sin is. All right? It was given to them so that they wouldn't destroy themselves and destroy everybody around them. It was not a system to be followed. It wasn't something to be mindlessly done by habit. It was a guide to show them how insidious and how destructive that sin really was. It was a road map to take them out of slavery into freedom and then into relationship with God. That's what the law was. It was a road map for anybody that was willing to internalize what it said and to respond to God with their heart. They took it. They systematized it. They judicialized it. They, they, they uh, uh, legislated some more to it. Added a little bit here, added a little bit there. Externalized it, and they turned it into a religion. And you know what that religion's called? Judaism. That's what it is. And so, so they take the gift of God and they turn it into a religion. Jesus confronts it when He shows up. And He takes the same law that they had, the same one that they had received, and He applies it in a different manner. He applies it in love. And He applies it in grace-filled, merciful ways rather than in harshness and in judgment. Jesus, it's, it's said of Jesus, in fact, Jesus said this, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. So the law was not a bad thing. Jesus comes to restore the relationship to it, to save, not judge, not to institute more religion, and certainly not to start another religion. Okay? Jesus didn't come to, to start a religion. Now, you get all the way down to, 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 to Jesus, and, and all of a sudden there's the birth of the church there. And the birth of the church was demonstrate to the world what a relationship with God was supposed to look like. Jesus imitated God. He didn't mimic a religion. We're supposed to imitate Jesus. And in doing that, we imitate God. It's a relationship. But over and over and over, 
the church succumbs, gives in to the siren song. Y'all know what sirens are. Sirens were, were beautiful women that, that sang on the rocks out in the ocean and the sailors would begin to listen to the sirens and forget about the ship and the next thing they knew, the ship crashed on the rocks and they all drowned. That's what religion is. It's a, it's a siren song that if you listen to, it will suck you into the rocks. It will destroy your ship. Cain did it his way. The people at Babel, they did it their way. The children of Israel, they did it their way. And folks, for the last 1,800 years, the church has done it their way. What do they all have in common? They've done it their way. And that's the ultimate definition of religion. I will do it my way. It's my way. It's not God's way. God's way is relationship. What would happen if we did it God's way? What if we stopped comparing ourselves to each other and started to compare ourselves to Jesus? I'll tell you this, you will never win. (laughs) You'll never be the top one. It will change that. What if we did it God's way? See, religion is as old as, as our race is, folks. It has never worked for anyone. Show me anyone in the book where religion worked for them. It has never worked for anyone. No one has ever earned God's favor. Okay? Abraham didn't. He believed God. And Scripture says that God counted that, marked it to His account as righteousness. He put His faith in God. That's what it means. Nobody has ever earned God's favor. And no one ever will. I'm just going to be straight up and tell you that. There's nobody who ever will. If anyone ever does, then Jesus was a waste. His sacrifice was a waste. And folks, listen to me. God would not have sent His Son to die on a cross if there was any other way. Religion kills. I'm going to say it again. It kills. It kills your relationship with God and it will eventually kill you. Cain committed murder because he was consumed by the self-delusional lies of religion which promised something it didn't deliver. If I get rid of, of Abel... God will be satisfied with what I bring. That didn't happen. And folks, the lie hadn't changed. The origin of religion is is based in a lie, which culminated in a murder, and it always ends that way. It always can. Religion promises to bring one closer to God, to God, but in essence, it always separates us from God. Cain believed a lie. Here's my question. What about you? What about you this morning? Is it a system of practices and and beliefs or is it relationship? See, there's nothing wrong with the practices necessarily. And there's nothing wrong with the beliefs necessarily as long as they're biblical. But it's not the practice and the belief that gets you where you need to go. It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That's what it is in the end. Next week, I'm going to challenge you with something. We're going to talk about a, uh, one more week of, of religion, okay? I've about had a bait of it, all right? I'm just being honest with you. I'm not a big fan of it. But what I found is it's hidden like dust in the cracks and the crevices of who I am. And every time I find it, I have to eradicate it or it covers me up. And it destroys my relationship. Next week, we're going to expose some obvious things. And you'll laugh about some of this because they're so obvious, but we, we, we believe them, and most of us do anyway. Uh, but today, today, folks, religion was birthed out of a wrong sacrifice and out of murder. Its origin is murder. It kills It's like ingesting poison with a needle into your body and expecting to feel good and to live forever. It's a slow, creeping death. That's what it is. Folks, it's killing the church. It's killing the church. It's like kudzu. It's it's smothering us so we can't do what we've been called to do. We've been called, folks, to bring the kingdom of God to bear in this world. To kick down the gates of hell. To finish and complete the work of Jesus on this earth. We are His hands and we are His feet. Maybe you're struggling this morning. Maybe there's some things in in your life this morning that are more religious than they are relationship. If that's the case, just let them go. Yeah, but mama did it this way, and daddy did it this way, and grandma and grandpa did it this way. That's fine. That doesn't mean it's the right way. Oh my gosh, did I say that out loud? Listen, if, 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 it's, if, it's, if, if, if Jesus didn't do it, then we probably don't need to do it. If you won't see it in heaven, you probably don't need to worry about it here. Okay? It's time that we got to that place where we said, Holy Spirit, you need to look at me. And you need to look really close. And if you see anything that even smells like religion, you need to show it to me because I need to get rid of it. It's killing me. If you went to your doctor and you knew you had cancer, and you knew that in a simple procedure he could get rid of it, and you wouldn't have another issue with it, would you cover it up and act like you didn't have it? Then, folks, I've made my case. We're going to pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.